Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Halloween is still more than a month out, so you may not have thought through yet how to celebrate, but public health officials have. And several counties have already banned carnivals, parades, haunted houses, and they're strongly discouraging trick-or-treating. We'll learn why and what activities are considered safe this Halloween. And if you want to tell us your reaction to the guidelines or your ideas for making a socially distanced Halloween special, you can call us now at 866-733-6786 or post them on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email forum at kqed.org. Joining us is Dr. Robert Levin, Health Officer of Ventura County. And uh, thanks so much for being here, Dr. Levin. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So first, could you just tell us what is banned outright in Ventura County? Uh, Outright, what's not permitted is um, Halloween gatherings, events or parties with non-household members. uh, and they're not even permitted if they were conducted outdoors. And also banned carnivals, festivals, live entertainment, and haunted house attractions. And so even if these parties are outdoors and involve non-household members, I mean, are you talking like two or three other families? Or are you just saying, you know, anyone outside your household, that's it? <laughs> anyone, right now, anyone outside your household that's it. However, the state is working right now. Um, I understand. I don't know if they'll, they'll follow through, but they're strongly considering um, opening up some kind of limiting gatherings. So mm-hmm. we, we keep that on your radar. That is a possibility. I see. Well, tell us why trick-or-treating is being strongly discouraged or is not recommended. What, what dangers does trick-or-treating potentially pose? It Obviously, um, you know, it encourages the spread of this disease. Uh, Imagine, we've all been out there, um, standing on the sidewalk, watching what's happening with your children, or you can remember perhaps if you're not, if you don't have children, when you celebrated Halloween, children will be up on that porch, they'll be clustering, they'll be bumping into each other. Their hands will be touching one another as they grasp at candies. At the front door of strangers, these strangers may or may not be wearing masks. Um, they may not have handled the treats they're handing out in, in you know, a good fashion. They've maybe used contaminated hands, and they may themselves be sick with COVID, knowing it or not knowing it, which is to say knowing they're sick or not knowing they're sick. I'm sure no one who knew they had COVID would do this. And then the parents are standing on the sidewalk, uh, probably closer together than they should be because they're concentrating on their kids as as well they should. 
I see. So it's it sounds like it's a little less about surface transfer, say, on the candy wrappers, right, versus just sort of the interaction that trick-or-treating invites. Because we have been hearing that surface transfer is less of a concern. Um, I've heard that, too. Evidence is still out on that. But you're absolutely right. The thing that we feel more confident is in is spread uh, with respiratory secretions. And this is increased when kids are yelling and screaming and speaking in loud voices, or, or adults for that matter. Well, let me again invite our listeners, if you're making plans for a socially distanced Halloween, tell us if trick-or-treating will not be discouraged in your county. Would you participate, given what you're hearing? Again, 866-733-6786 is the number. Email address forum at kqed.org, or you can reach us at KQED Forum on Twitter or Facebook. So then based on what you're saying, Dr. Levin, I want to ask you, there was a, an Ohio man who told CNN that he plans to wear a mask and gloves, use tongs to drop candy down, a long shoot for trick-or-treaters, a shoot that he's going to decorate. And are you, I mean, is that okay to you or not? Because again, this is all about the gathering. <laughs> you know, there's two or three or four other steps in that whole process, but I'm sure a conscientious person like that would abide by all of those as well. Uh, but is a group is a child are a group of children going to be satisfied with going to that one house is every is every house going to do the same thing yeah i you know it's probably unlikely unless the neighborhood does come together which you know things like that have happened before i do wonder though um why County health officials in several counties, including Los Angeles and Ventura, began by banning trick-or-treating and then changed to discouraging it or not recommending it? You know, we are the health departments of all the people. We are the health officers of all the people in our county. And if we approach things with just the purest of, of approaches, we might choose one language such as, nah, it ain't gonna happen. Do not trick or treat, it's dangerous. But there are people that are sensitive to that in our county, we respect them for their views. They would rather hear something softer instead of not permitted. They feel much more comfortable with not recommended. I understand why people might want this change to be made. But while the language has changed, the message from public health is the same and that's trick or treating during the COVID pandemic is, is risky. And again, Dr. Robert Levin is health officer of Ventura County. Let me go to Julian in San Jose. Hi, Julian. Hi, I was wondering if there are any suggestions for a way even just on your block to do something for like younger kids that do show up. So maybe like toy figurines or something. I don't know. Thanks, Julian. So Dr. Levin, what activities do you recommend? Well, for, I will mention those in just a moment, and, and those could be done on the block. However, the, um, um, well, let me get right to those activities that I think we feel comfortable with right now. And that is online parties and contests. And you can have car parades, and this is a, the perfect thing for a block to do. And there are car parades that are drive-by contests where individuals or families dress up their vehicle and uh, maybe they drive by judges uh, that are appropriately physically distanced from one another. There can be drive-through events 
where individuals remain in their cars and drive through an area where there's Halloween displays. There can be drive-in events where individuals um, can receive a bag that's limited to commercially packaged non-perishable treats or takeaway items from an organism, uh, from an organizer while the participants, participants remain in their vehicles. You know, these are just a few stodgy old ideas, uh, ideas maybe everyone's already thought of. But if you go onto social media, there are some incredible creative ideas there. And I encourage everyone to do that. I did read one of a family planning to do a Halloween candy egg hunt around their house. So basically, and maybe outdoors. So basically they've purchased eggs and they're going to put Halloween candy in them to create an activity and have the kids dress up. So maybe there's one that folks might want to do. Brian writes, my wife and I intend to purchase our own candy and to walk our children around the neighborhood, dropping candy into their bags ourselves at each house while being sure to keep our distance from other folks. Let me go to Molly in Oakland. Hi, Molly. Hi, good morning. Um, and uh, I guess I'm taking sort of a harm reduction perspective. I have an HIV background, but I'm wondering if there's any way, sort of like in New York, I think a lot of times the bodegas actually partake in kind of the trick-or-treating-ish activities. And I'm wondering for commercial businesses that are, are more used to, um, I mean, people go grocery shopping, like people can go into stores now, like those places that already have the infrastructure in place, not to burden them with more to do, but if they were willing to partake in some sort of trick-or-treating experience for kids and um, just trying to piggyback off. I, I would imagine some would be willing. I, I just wonder your thoughts on that. Um, thanks so much. Molly, thanks. Yeah, I mean, things that businesses can do, Dr. Lemon, that would be safe. Well, I think that it would be appropriate for there to be Halloween movie nights where you can create uh, your own drive-in theater or where there's an existing uh, drive-in theater that's already uh, been approved uh, through public health. There could be Halloween-themed meals at outdoor restaurants. Um, but, of course, that has to comply with whatever public health restaurant protocols are in place. There could be Halloween-themed art installations at an outdoor museum um, or dressing up your home or your yard with Halloween-themed decorations. Well, Michael tweets, I only ever see intact family groups trick-or-treating. I plan to shake a handful of fun-sized bars from the bag into a bowl on a stool in front of the porch after each group goes by. If we have 20 kids over two hours, it's a big night. And then Kim writes, we live in a two-unit building in San Francisco, and we've sheltered with the other families since March. There are four kids total, and they understand that trick-or-treating may not be safe. They're planning their own trick-or-treating in our two flats. The parents will be in different rooms, and they can do a few rounds of knocking on the doors to get different candies. You know, it reminds me that I guess it is far enough out where if families wanted to pod together, for example, like get tested, make sure everybody is safe, and then bubble up. Uh, that is another way where you could have a few more people involved in the trick-or-treating process. Let me go to Logan in Oxford, Mississippi. Hi, Logan. Hey, thank you guys so much for taking my call. Can you hear me? I can. Go right ahead. Yes, ma'am. I wanted to ask uh, the doctor, and I, I greatly appreciate um, his respect on people's uh, feelings. Everyone's, you know, dealing with a tough time uh, adjusting to everything, but at what point do we need to put our foot down and just say, no, you can't trick or treat? It's, it's, I understand that some people will feel uncomfortable and they, they want to hear that soft language 
but at a certain point, I, you know, I can't smoke a cigarette on an airplane. You know, they put their foot down and said, you can't do it. I'm sorry how you feel. I'm wondering, at what point do we just say, stop doing this thing, that's the thing, and that way we can stop the spread of this virus. And uh, thank you, everyone at KQED. I'll take my question off the air. Logan, thank you. Dr. Levin, your response to Logan. Logan, that's a great question. But, you know, I feel like we need not a whole show, but a whole series to, to address that. Uh, partly, it's looking at different countries and how, how they've taken approaches towards this. Uh, Americans are unique. And, you know, compare us to our neighbors in Canada, where we're not, not nearly as compliant. So I, I think the best way to address what you're saying is to, to say that you're going to let the punishment fit the crime. Uh, in, order to ver in order to have a response like that where you say absolutely no trick-or-treating, I think what we'd be seeing is an increase, a significant increase in the rates and in the, in the, in the presence of this virus in our community. Uh, and then I think it would be easier for everybody to see and understand the dangers. But in these times where we're seeing our numbers flatten out or even fall, it's so hard to convince Americans to uh, behave in the manner that you described. Yes, and we're seeing a mix of reactions from people who think the guidelines in your county and others are prudent and others who feel like they're overly cautious as well. Um, I do understand the need for there to be some sense of normalcy, especially for children and, and just an emotional connection that people have to holidays that makes it feel even more jarring when they're not allowed to do those traditional gatherings. The other thing being just how long we've been in this situation. And so just reaching the point of Halloween where we can't have it be normal, I think is also weighing on people. But at the same time, Dr. Lemon, remind us of what has tended to happen after holidays in terms of COVID-19 numbers. Well, we have seen surges um, or contributions to surges after each of our holidays. It still remains to be seen what's gonna happen with Labor Day. On the other hand, Labor Day doesn't generate the same kind of excitement or promote necessarily universally the, the same family atmosphere as Halloween's like Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, or for that matter, something that's already past July 4th. Uh, so we've seen these surges and they've been problematic. And, and remember, a lot of the issues related to surges relate uh, to the fact that our hospitals will get full. And if our hospitals are full and can't take any more patients, that means patients who had normal, not normal, but who had illnesses that were unrelated to COVID that used to go into the hospital with them and had a very good expectation that they would do well, there might not even be room for patients like that in the hospital. So that's really what's driving a lot of our reaction to mm. this pandemic. Well, it sounds like Dawn will be heeding the advice she writes, or Dawn writes, last year we got 900 trick-or-treaters in our usually very active neighborhood. Most of us won't be decorating or participating to discourage crowds. Well, Dr. Levin, thanks so much for talking with us, explaining what's behind public health officials' desire to put out these kinds of guidelines and for giving us some ideas for how we can celebrate Halloween this year, hoping we'll 
do a little bit more on that on forum. Dr. Robert Levin, Health Officer of Ventura County. Thanks again. Thank you. And as we head into the weekend now, we have another installment from our series, The Music Getting You Through 2020. We're playing one song every Friday through December. And if you want to hear all the songs listeners are recommending, you can check out and follow KQED's The Music Getting You Through 2020 playlist on Spotify. Today we're playing a song sent to us from Mike in San Jose. I have my Alexa waking me up to Where Is My Mind by the Pixies. It reminds me that our heads are at once empty and full as we learn to connect in new ways in the absence of the old familiar ones. I've actually spent time building playlists for the first time in years of the old favorites, the ones that excite me now as much as they did when I first heard them. It's given me a chance to re-explore my favorite artists in a depth that I haven't enjoyed since I was a teenager. Not spending any time in my car has forced me to reintroduce music into my home environment, reminding me how much music fills your day-to-day -day life and shapes how you view the spaces and circumstances that you're living in. That was the classic Where Is My Mind by the Pixies. Thanks to listener Mike for sharing it with us. Thanks to Caroline Smith for producing our Halloween segment. Forum is also produced by Judy Campbell, Tina Lauerberg, Ariana Prail, Blanca Torres, Susan Britton. Our senior editor is Dan Zoll. Our engineer is Danny Bringer. And our intern is Jameson Weiss. Our executive editor is Ethan Toven Lindsay. I'm Mina Kim. Thanks for listening. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.